Welcome to the Ether. Today is Friday, April 14th, 2023. Today on the Ether, Shade Swap and Orbital Command discuss Shade Protocol's derivative swap magic. Let's take a listen. I've been understanding for myself, it's almost a selfish conversation, this one. I saw your post the other day and I thought, this sounds very interesting, which I retweeted. And of course, you saw that. And, uh, and so I was like, I need to know more. And that's why this space is now happening. So hopefully everyone else can benefit from it too. But for those that don't know, ShadeSwap uh, is live now on the main net as per their last tweet. There are seven pools, additional pools with the launch of Silk. Uh, there are LP opportunities with Shade Rewards. There's a novel curve for derivative and stables, which I'd love to talk more about. And then, of course, private DeFi, the Cosmos is what is at the core of this. So with that being said... Uh, many of the people that are tuning into this are going to already know you, going to know what you're up to. Uh, this is going to be recorded by TerraSpace and hopefully listened back to by people that are perhaps less familiar with you. So can we just get a quick TLDR of uh, you and the Shade team? 100%. So my journey in this space began in 2017. I had a cousin in traditional finance kind of link me resources on Bitcoin and smart contracts, immediately started deep diving everything I could and ended up um, with 60, 60 pages of notes. I'm, I'm not someone that likes to go halfway when it comes to researching. Like I really want to dig down into, you know, as deep as you possibly can go. That's where, that's where the fun is, like the, the true challenge of it. But I found that most of the literature out there that was written was either way too tech stack focused or way too investment focused. So I spent three years writing and researching a book called Building Confidence in Blockchain. And that was a wonderful journey at this point. We've had like tens, um, over, I don't even know at this point, probably like seven or 8,000 people have, have read that book, which has been awesome, that whole author's journey. But, but during those three years, um, it became really apparent to me that crypto was lacking privacy in any capacity. And the reason I believe that's very important is that like, if we want to onboard institutions and consumers in the blockchain, there has to be some degree of data privacy. Um, for DeFi, you have copycat trading. You have this whole world of front running that's, that's emerged that's extremely like, toxic order flow in a really negative way. Uh, on the consumer side of things, it seems like um, you have to re-centralize the solution. Or like payments. Like it's like, oh, we have this centralized entity plugged into a blockchain. And the whole dream of crypto is was peer-to-peer transactions. So between these two different verticals of institutions and consumers wanting to go and like find a tech stack where privacy preserving DeFi that could potentially be compliant. Like where was that being built? Where was that like is it even is it even possible that it exists anywhere? And I ended up uh, finding Enigma, it was this Ethereum layer two. And eventually it actually migrated 
to the Cosmos ecosystem. I was really intimately integrated to the community uh, with the community in late 2020 and 2021. Um, and I actually helped write the white paper for Seeker Network, working with the protocol team. So that was kind of my first foray into like really working with a team and, and learning, like really tying myself to a single tech stack. And so eventually spun up uh, lots of different nodes, met another DeFi builder named Mohamed Petla. Uh, we spun up nodes on Seeker Network, Osmosis, Juno, uh, Terra, uh, and eventually Terra 2. Shout out to that. And, you know, right around 2021, uh, after being in the space for four years, wanted to actually go and build out the privacy-preserving DeFi thesis. I would have done a lot of architecture research, but had been in love with, with Terra, uh, UST, uh, MakerDAO, all the different stablecoin projects, all the different DeFi um, you know, tools that were out there. And so we assembled a team of 12 plus folks. Uh, the core team raised $5 million at the end of 2021 to really go and prove out this thesis. And we've been quietly building for the last really like a year and a quarter. Um, and so in 2022, what we launched was a generalized IBC bridge interface, one of the few in Cosmos right now. Uh, we launched the largest secret network uh, staking derivative. We launched the first ever uh, Cosmos bonds product, which allows the treasury to have protocol and liquidity and make essentially trades at a, at a, at a spot price with the, with the open market. But those three launches and pulling that like, team together was all really just the, the precursor to what's happened this last Wednesday. And most importantly, what's, what's coming this upcoming Wednesday, which is, um, you know, we launched ShadeSwap this Wednesday. It has a um, privacy-preserving uh, stable swap. You have a derivative swap. You also have constant product. And then this upcoming Wednesday is going to be this privacy-preserving lending product where people can lock up collateral without their liquidation price points being publicly visible. And they're going to be able to mint out a stable coin called Silk. And Silk is vastly differentiated from any other stable coin on the market uh, because it's, it's tracking a basket of global currencies and commodities. So the one piece we couldn't get over when studying uh, like the rise of Terra or the rise of DAI was like, we're in this world of Web3 and we're all about decentralization, but how can we claim to be building decentralized stable coins when they're pegged to um, centralized, um, you know, like centralized monetary systems, right? And so Silk is tracking Bitcoin, gold, um, the Euro, the Yen, the dollar, and the Canadian dollar. And it actually has the ability to change the weights tied to these assets. Governance has the ability to add assets to what Silk is tracking as well as remove assets. So it's this super powerful stable coin that's hedged against inflation, hedged against volatility. The analogy we like to use is, um, you know, when you invest in the stock market, for instance, and you bought um, Tesla, like that's a, you're really taking a very large bet on a single investment. Um, and so what's really popular is investing in something like the S&P 500, right? It's an index of like the top 500 biggest stocks, whatever have you. And so what we're really aiming for Silk to be is like an index currency. Um, but it's, it's a really weird type of index, right? Because it's tracking the largest currencies in the world. And we eventually want to track all the biggest commodities in the world. And so it's really um, averaging out uh, all the volatility across very stable assets into this very you know, 
strong digital currency. And it also has really other powerful properties, right? It's, it's permissionless. It also has privacy, which is a key, a key attribute. And it also has that over collateralized promise that MakerDAO really innovated way back in, you know, 20, 2018, 2019, 2020. So all that to say, it's really this beautiful, cohesive suite. And we're super excited to get this out uh, to the community. Yeah, look, heaps there to go off uh, and to launch into. And I'd love for you just to, as we're going through this conversation, I just really run with whatever feels hot for you. Because um, to me, this is very green. So, you know, I've been in the space for a while now, but Shane has just kind of been on the periphery for me. And I've played a little bit with Secret, like I dabbled. Uh, a little while back, and I was testing out just bridging over to uh, XMR via, I think it was Sienna Swap back in the day, um, which I haven't, like I did that, and then I haven't really looked at it ever since. But uh, I would love to learn as much as I can on this call. And so my first question that I have is around Silk. You were just talking about how it tracks a basket of global, global commodities, i.e. BTC, gold, yen, Canadian dollar. I think there was another one or two there. Um, it's tracking these. What's the mechanism by which it maintains its peg? How, how specifically does that work? 100%. So essentially, there is no difference in model from Silk uh, compared to MakerDAO in terms of the over collateralized and liquidation mechanism. So whenever, um, let's say Silk is tracking a dollar and five cents, like all if you, if you multiply the weights by all the different currencies, you add them all together, the target price is a dollar and five cents, let's say. Um, and let's say the open market is trading at a dollar and seven cents, right? Silk is technically over pegged compared to what it should be. There's essentially arbitrage opportunity for someone to lock up something like ST Atom or ST Luna um, or ST or Stake Secret, you know, a bunch of different crypto assets to mint out Silk, sell the sell the Silk at a you know higher price than what they minted at, and that arbitrage is like how the supply of silk steadily expands as demand pushes the open market price above what the smart contracts are tracking. Um, the biggest difference here though, is that the price that's being tracked isn't static. All of the smart contract reference data is slowly shifting over time. So all the liquidations, all the loans are based off of this kind of glacially, slowly moving um, price point that represents appreciation and depreciation value based off of what your reference currency in. Um, and then if you're under peg, in a similar sense, let's say uh, you took your loan out and a dollar and five cents was the is supposed to be what Silk's peg is, and let's say it's trading at a dollar and three cents, uh, people have incentive to essentially buy back Silk off the open market and then pay back their debt, right? And they're paying, they're they're acquiring Silk at a discount and paying off their their debt at a discount. And this is a mechanism um, that ultimately pushes uh, over collateralized stable coins back to their target peg as people paying back their loans at a discount. And then on the liquidation front, of course, like the system needs to maintain system-wide loan to value ratios. So as positions uh, slowly kind of violate uh, the system-wide LTV for in any given vault, uh, there's an automated liquidation system where the collateral gets auctioned off uh, to a stability pool uh, and this is like the equivalent of, you know, those anchor-esque products where um, users on the other end are earning liquidated uh, collateral and then Silk gets turned back into the protocol and it gets burned. 
And that's how the system maintains its LTV is selling off the collateral, pulling silk off the open market and burning it. That's the classical over collateralized mechanism. So in summary, it's, it's no different than, than MakerDAO's mechanisms on that front. Got it. And so we've got, it's over collateralized, it's private, it's decentralized. The private, the, let's dig into the privacy side of it for the moment. What's, what is this all built on? So for example, <clears throat> where am I going with this question? What I'm alluding how, to How is, is the secret network's privacy achieved? Yes. So essentially, uh, Seeger Network, there's, there's a vision for 2.0. So I'll talk about the current mechanics, but then also talk about where it's headed. Uh, the, current, the current mechanics for Seeger Network is all the nodes on the network are running something called trusted execution environments. Uh, essentially, the way a trusted execution environment works is no one can really you know, peek inside of a TEE. And so whenever a computation occurs, Every single node on the network is running the same computation within these trust execution environments, and no one can essentially peek inside this encrypted enclave. And that's where the ledger lives, right, across all the different machines. And so if someone tried to, like, say, hey, you know, Carter sent money to Bob, but everyone, like, everyone else is running the same computation. So you're, able to, you're still able to sanity check and make sure uh, consensus-wise that, that truth is truth and no one's able to pull off a malicious transaction. But yeah, the, the privacy is achieved via hardware on all the nodes of the network. And so where Seeger Network is, is headed next is that it's probably going to be adding in something like fully homeomorphic um, encryption, which is a more, um, it's, it's, it's a different type of privacy solution. It has advantages and disadvantages, but it's considered a more solid encryption schema than trusting uh, hardware level encryption. That being said, in the Web2 world, hardware-level encryption is incredibly common. Um, the mobile devices of the world use these types of micro-trust execution environments and, and, and all over the place. It's a, a lot of value, uh, like billions and billions of dollars of value use hardware-level encryption. But in crypto, as is normal, we aspire to you know, surpassing existing systems. And so Guy Ziskind with Secret Labs, um, there's been other contributors like Andrew Miller are really focused on uh, advancing advancing trusted execution environments while also um, probably pulling in hybrid-esque solutions to privacy. Got it. I'm definitely going to have to listen back to this call afterwards as well and just really digest it because um, it can be a little bit, as I'm talking to you, I'm also looking through over the website and looking at a few different things. So it's tricky for me to capture everything, but I know that there's going to be plenty of gold here. And so you were mentioning that there were basically three phases leading up to the launch of Shade swap just recently. Can you just take us through a quick tour of each portion of that uh, of those phases and, and sort of what were the challenges, what were the goals, and, and sort of what were the outcomes? Are we talking about what was launched in 2022? Or are you talking about just like Shade Swap in general, the different the different curves and the, the innovation hard work that went into it? Sorry, I'm on mic on mute. I was saying a TLDR on the 2022 stuff, and then a uh, deep dive into the Shade Swap and the curves, etc. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Sure. So. In 2022, the, the airdrop for, for Shea went out to three different chains. It was uh, Luna, the original Luna at the time, uh, Adam, as well as Seeker Network. So a lot of the work at the end of 2021, all the way up to February 21st of 2022, is really just getting um, the token out to the, the decentralized community. So right after February wrapped up, um, March 1st came around, and that's really when we began 
full-time work, um, like across this decentralized group of folks. We had one team working on ShadeSwap since March of last year. We had another team that was working on an over-collateralized model for Silk. And then there was actually a third team that was working on an algorithmic version of Silk because this was prior to the uh, collapse of Terra. And then we actually had a fourth team uh, focused on building out um, governance as well as DAO tooling as well as bonds. So it's like really four teams. It was this huge collective of folks. A lot of it was powered by a really aggressive grants program as well. And so we got to the the Terra collapsed, right? And that, that was absolutely knocked the wind out of a lot of the, the development that had been done. You know, it was like three months of work and kind of this realization that, and we we're quite close to launching an algorithmic model. And it was pretty much the realization of like, oh, wow, like this, this model that a lot of people have put a lot of faith in, you know, whenever you trust a model, you inherit its assumptions. But we quickly realized that um, the market slash the experiment of UST had told us that Algorithmic stable coins are fundamentally reliant on market makers. Whenever you're not a fully collateralized stable coin, you're going to be, you're half to going to be reliant on market makers and a human third party. This is very similar to what happened with um, gold as well. If you've ever listened to Frax and Sam talk about the history of, of that um, and the history of fiat money, he does a really good job of walking through it. But long and short is, is in June, June, July, everyone on the algorithmic team pivoted back to uh, development onto bonds and bridging and staking derivatives. And then fortunately, we had had the foresight to begin developing Shade Lend and the over-collateralized model, which was a little trippy at the time. It was like, you're building two stablecoin models at once. The one broke and the other one has been still developing for over, it's over a year of development for what's coming up this next Wednesday. And I think a lot of people that hear about Shade Protocol they maybe will be hearing about it for the first time this last three months, but this is a very old project. Like one year of straight coding, like is it's a, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of testing. It's a lot of patience. And so we made it through Luna's collapse, learned there. We made it through FTX's collapse. And one thing we're really obsessed with, um, I think one thing like Terra actually, we took a lot of inspiration from was the bridging experience before we launch any of these key primitives, we felt that it was very important um, to have a beautiful IBC experience. So we had a team work on a generalized IBC bridge for multiple months and that launched in December. The staking derivative course launched last year too and the Seeker in our community has loved that product. It's really front and center. We can really talk about staking derivatives for such a long time because sustainable DeFi and Cosmos is really contingent upon liquid staking derivatives. and um, Bonds was really kind of just an experimental product that happened to actually get built rather quickly. And, and now it's this incredible treasury management tool. So yeah, that, that's a, a synopsis of 2022, just a, a year of quiet building and shipping a couple of, of important products in, in the bear market. Great. And then, of course, you mentioned that this next Wednesday, Shade Lend, uh, is it this Wednesday coming or the one just been? Yep, this upcoming Wednesday. So T minus less than five days. I suppose five days, five days. I don't even know what data is today, at least track, but gotcha. And so Shade Lend will enable people to do what specifically? So Shade Lend really enables two things. So one, it allows people to uh, utilize their crypto assets in the cosmos more. 
So there'll be people that are going to probably be doing looped leverage through the lending product. So you can do leverage liquidity providing, um, leverage staking, all sorts of like really interesting uh, uses for, for crypto lending as usual. Um, and then separate from that is Silk is live. So um, a really important part of ShadeSwap story is that Silk is the centerpiece of the DEX liquidity. Most of the Cosmos, Cosmos DEXs force liquidity providers to buy a volatile governance token in order to become a liquidity provider, which is pretty absurd if you think about it. It's, it's a lot more capital efficient for the liquidity provider. Um, and ultimately, like ironically, in my opinion, like the protocol has to end up paying for that impermanence loss. Um, APR is just like protocols don't pick APRs. Markets determine APRs. They find the equilibrium between risk and reward on any given pool. And so it's one thing we observed very early on is that like the most capital efficient way um, to have a DEX would be if you had a stable coin at the center of it. But if we're going to do that, it should be a stable coin, you know, owned by the protocol and it should be a stable coin that's in line uh, with, the, with the ethos. So there's a lot of vertical integration here, right? It's a DEX that has its own stable coin, has its own lending product, that has its own um, generalized IBC bridge interface. Like if you go to app.shapevertical.io next Wednesday, you're going to see an interface you've never seen in Cosmos before, which is a lend product, well, I should say a borrowing product. I guess a borrowing product one click away from a swap, one click away from the entirety of the Cosmos, one click away from minting staking derivatives. It's, it's a huge feat. And actually, Secret Austin's on this call. Um, he's one of the lead front-end developers. And it's, it's truly a feat because building multiple primitives into one front-end is why you don't see this. It's stupidly difficult. Blockchains are terrible <laughs> to build websites on top of. And so to build multiple apps into the same interface in a way that's scalable, fast, and fluid is shockingly difficult. So can't wait for people to see all the hard work that these developers have put in for, for over a year. Yeah, that sounds super exciting. It's actually got me feeling a little bit hype at the moment. But uh, what I the LSD conversation is probably an entirely separate conversation that can be had because we're not going to have enough time for that today. And I know that there's a lot of exciting things um, that we can talk about there. Uh, what I did want to go back towards was the asymmetric concentrated liquidity and the low price impact. So that was what got my attention when I saw the post the other day and it was saying, I guess the funds that have been moved around in a, in a fairly low liquidity pool and the low price impact on that pool. I was like, how are they doing this? And so I would love to hear some details on that. 100%. So this is actually a story of a, a grant that was given out to a PhD mathematician in 2022. Uh, essentially, uh, I sat down with this researcher and we looked at kind of all the different AMMs out there. And it was kind of like we wanted to give a, rent, uh, a grant. It was ambiguous at the time to, you know, like, could you build a curve that could be biased towards protecting a stable coin? And at the time, that, that stable coin was silk. And so, the, you know, this researcher named Kanarudi went off for, for weeks, came back with his preliminary analysis, and it was kind of like, well, curve is pretty much perfect. Like, if you, if you want to have, like, concentrated liquidity 
curve is beautiful and like yes like uniswap v3 and these like these new curves coming out to allow liquidity providers to like precisely specify ranges are really powerful but like at the end of the day it, it felt like everything had kind of been done which was kind of a I don't know. It was it was an interesting kind of conclusion to the grant initially, but then um, we sat down and we were looking at Curve, and he was kind of walking me through the fact that Curve was symmetrical. Um, and me being not a mathematician, but being someone that likes to challenge things, I said, "Well, can we make it asymmetrical?" And he just paused and looked at looked at me. It's like, "Well, what do you mean by that?" And I was like, "Well, like, could you control?" one of the tails and design liquidity on one of the tails differently than, than the other tails. Like you could essentially set up capital controls that would be biased towards one of the assets in the pool. And kind of talked to me was like, well, no one's ever done that before. I was like, well, like, let's, let's do it. Let's try it. Like, go ahead. Here's the grant. We'll give you, you know, four or five months. Let's, let's research it. Let's see what it can do. So four or five months go by in 2022, he comes back, he, you know, he's showing the, the modeling of it in, in Python, uh, programming language, and we were pretty amped. But then we kind of looked at it more, this curve, and it was kind of like, well, what's actually the use case for this? Um, we had this like really disturbing truth emerge where the reason curve chose to be symmetrical, to be symmetrical concentrated liquidity is that when you have, you know, a stable coin, two stable coins pegged to a dollar and and they're and, and let's assume they hold their peg, the order flow between the two assets is actually symmetrical. So curve had chosen the right thing and all of our research that we had spent months on was completely useless for for a stable coin like uh, for a stable swap. Now that being said, we could still configure the curve in a way that it would function as a stable swap, but as a whole, it was a very disappointing conclusion to a, a very long episode of research. But then there was a one night, you know, the cur curve got pushed to the side uh, where a one of our senior developers, SBeam, aka Christian, was in office with the whole team. It was a late one and we had pulled up like the stable swap curve. And I essentially essentially got an idea. More of a realization was that order flow from L1 tokens to derivatives are predictable, but not symmetrical. And what I mean by that is like staking derivatives, because we had launched one last year, one of the first staking derivatives in the Cosmos, we got to watch this price action. Um, price trades like below this equilibrium price point in a very specific asymmetric range. And that's when, that's when the lights went off. We realized, wait a second, we can concentrate all of this liquidity using this curve we'd made. And it was a completely novel curve. No one had done this before. And it fit these, the L1 to staking derivative trading story perfectly, literally perfectly, because we're able to, on one side of the curve, uh, above the minting price point of a staking derivative, we're, we're essentially able to put almost no liquidity there. And that's really important because staking derivatives don't go above their minting price point because if they do, Arbors will immediately mint them and sell them. So right now in constant product and symmetrical liquidity, they're wasting all this liquidity above the minting price point for price ranges that will never happen. They'll never happen. And so this is when asymmetric liquidity is perfect. We're able to define where on the curve 
the liquidity lives and you need it to be asymmetric. So fast forward to when we launched last Wednesday, we didn't even know it was going to be this good. And it's so good, you use it and it feels crazy. It, it's so it's so beautiful. And so yeah, I just, this is the first time I've told the full story of it, but this is an example of an innovation that we didn't know what the use case was going to be, but eventually it found its precise product market fit. And it's really a beautiful thing. That is an awesome story. And it's incredibly innovative and I'm very impressed. And it's just interesting to look, I'm looking at the space and we've got, you know, I don't know, 12, 15 people here. And so anyone that's listening right now, you are privy to information that is, it is novel as the name implies. And so I look forward to when people actually really start realizing the gravity of this. I think you're, I think you're onto something amazing here. And I do have questions around, are there uh, preferences or limitations of the um, tokens in, of, in the pools that can be used? So like the, this whole asymmetric concept, does it apply to pools that are comprised of, you know, a stable coin and the coin that's not a stable coin? Does it apply to uh, stable coin pairs? Does it apply to only tokens that aren't stable coins? What are the sort of preferences and limitations? Yeah, so the interesting thing about the curve is we can we can make it very close to a symmetrical stable swap. So when we launch our stable swap, well, it's technically already already live, but when we launch the pools for it, we'll be using, it's just a, a change of parameters to make it a symmetrical curve. So you'll be using essentially a curve-like experience um, on Wednesday, but with completely different math. That's another thing too, was the licensing around curve allows them to go after people that um, have math similar to them and function similar to them. And so the entire math rewrite also is a nice added benefit of it, it's, it's, it's completely different math with, with how it was computed because it's asymmetric. So long and short is we can match it to the asset type. So if it's a stable coin to a stable coin, the curve evenly distributes liquidity um, in a concentrated fashion. And if it's an L1 to a staking derivative, we can shift the liquidity to be in that very concentrated asymmetric region. Okay. Okay. Have you thought you obviously said a second ago that with Curve, they have their license agreement or whatever it is in place to, I guess, inhibit others from stealing, for want of a better word, proprietary, hmm, a proprietary idea or concept. Is, it, is that something that you considered yourself or how's what's your sort of stance on that um i mean the stance is that the the paper that has all the math is is out there and anyone can use it uh the thing is that the implementation is very difficult uh it took one of our developers oh what was it and then i'm talking about this from like a, a front-end standpoint smart contract standpoint there's like multiple pieces of the puzzle that like, you know, we, we definitely subscribe to the open source ethos, but even stuff being open source will, will be very hard for folks to implement. So as of right now, no, no, no intent to license. Um, I, I believe it will stay pretty firmly fixed in that direction. I love that. Look, you, look, you're ticking all the right boxes for me when you're saying these words. Obviously, we've got open source, we've got permissionless, we've got private and decentralized. Uh, and just the other week when there was the USDC DPEG, you know, I've, I've always had my concerns around DeFi being built around 
a centralized stable coin. And so when there was the DPEG the other week, I was I had a bunch of Axel USDC sitting there and I was just like, you know what? I'm not gonna risk I was getting Vietnam flashbacks with UST. And so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna park this uh, elsewhere. And so and it was bringing to the front of my mind just again that this idea that decentralized stable coins need to be a thing. And I'm with you that I I'm not entirely confident that algorithmic stable coins can like maybe someone will figure it out, but I just don't have a great deal of hope for algorithmic stable coins. So I like I like what you've done with the basket. Um, it just seems to me like you're ticking all the right boxes. Um, I think privacy is going to become ever increasingly more important as time goes on. It does seem that there's a gradual erosion of you know freedoms and civil liberties and uh, increase of surveillance. And I just think that privacy is currently undervalued, you know, to a massive degree. Um, and I did hear a take from Chris Black the other week, which I thought was interesting. And I'd be curious to hear your thoughts because obviously you're privacy focus and um, you have uh, privacy as a, a value. Do you do you think, so his, his take is that eventually governments just come in and place bans, total bans on privacy. So it's like if you own Monero or if you own whatever, it's, you know, you're an outlaw effectively. Uh, thus price goes down in, according to that news. What's your take on the value of privacy in future? and privacy coins so in my mind like this battle has been fought before it was fought in the 80s and the 90s over the very encryption that defines the the internet that we use today and people's data is valuable your financial history is valuable Um, and i think if we can create frameworks um, that have you know transparency for public goods, privacy for individuals with a path for compliance for those users where 99.9% of the world can't see your transactions. But if an auditor comes in, you can, you know, via sovereign choice, you know, have your transactions get audited, or maybe you hand off the viewing key for encrypted data to a a third party platform. But the, the key, the real battle here is over sovereignty, right? Um, and and, I, and the, the good news is that I think there's a whole set of extremely, and that's a rare thing to say in this space, there is a subset of very ethical people that are fighting for these attributes for our industry. Um, one of the groups I'm a part of is the Universal Privacy Alliance. It's a whole set of privacy projects. And we actually met up for one of the first times in East Denver. We're able to, you know, privacy founder to privacy founder to privacy founder to privacy finder founder talk about these problems. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a fight worth fighting. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't pick a better battle to fight than, than currency that is stable, globally accessible, decentralized, permissionless, and focused on self-custody. So if that's, if that's the hill that someone like me goes down on, then like, so be it. But I know I'm not alone on that. I know there's other people based out of the US, based out of Europe, based out of Canada, that are good people. They're, they're just genuinely good people, uh, raised right, so to speak, no criminal record, that, that care about imbuing the future of finance with attributes that empower people. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll fight for it. It's not gonna be easy. It's not gonna be easy, but we, like, builders genuinely wanna work with regulators, but when, when 
like regulators decide to take away freedoms in the name of quote-unquote consumer protections and they do so in a way that's quite obviously not <laughs> in, in in best faith then um it takes people standing up mate i've enjoyed this conversation so much you see, you seem like a stand-up guy obviously very intelligent and it seems like the team that you've got on your side that is building all of this out is uh very more than more than capable and so i'm very very intrigued to see what happens next i'm looking forward to uh, next Wednesday with Shade Lend. As far as respecting time goes, of course, you said you had about 40 minutes. We're coming up to that point now. Before we wrap up, I just want to give you know a quick chance for people to ask questions. I can see that there is one here from MB, and this is an invitation for anyone else who is uh, – let me just get MB up. Anyone else that is listening to – oh, you're going to have to get MB up. Uh, He's on mute. He's up here. I'm up already. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Go for it, MB. Yeah, like great, great discussion here. Thanks, Carter and and, and everybody else. But uh, look, as the products, obviously the the Secret Deck has you know Shade Silk, yeah, the new decks are just amazing. Um, and I've been thinking about you know um how these products could be better, you know, integrated throughout Cosmos. Um, it strikes me that um Terra's Alliance module um could be a a huge opportunity um for Secret. Um, I know that many of the other chains like obviously white whale and Migalua are doing some big things using the alliance module and i know that yeah kujira chihuahua carbon yumi they've all more or less indicated they want to sign on i wonder how you know how this could integrate how alliance could integrate with secret and if that could really help um yeah drive the cosmos wide uh use case um thank you yeah it's a really interesting point you bring up um i think there's like three different types of security models that have really emerged. Of course, you have uh, interchain security, you have mesh security, and then you have like the alliance module. And I, I'll be honest, I'm 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 a I'm a critic of of ICS because it ends up being humans having to negotiate between two chains. You're actually seeing this right now happen on the parent hub um, with with Adam Strides talking about having their own like shared security with, with Adam, but then it's like this very intense debate of like, well, how much revenue needs to go back to the parent chain? And it's this, this push and pull of like humans trying to find that precise point. And then like mesh security feels a little bit more um, symbiotic and straightforward. Like uh, it's, it's kind of a trade agreement between the individuals, but I, I like Alliance because it, it's it's more focused on economic alignment as a means of security without having to necessarily directly involve a lot of the infrastructure costs. Um, so it's I think Alliance has a pretty good pretty good shot. So I I need to do more research on Alliance. I've definitely done the majority of my research on uh, interchain security and the mesh side of things, but. Um, yeah, if you have any resources on that, feel free to DM me. I'd be happy to look into it. And I know the Secret Network folks are always always here to to learn, and and the Cosmos world, the IBC world, is just growing every day in terms of options. Yeah, thanks, Carter. Yeah, we could definitely perhaps throw see um, yeah connect you with some other people that are involved in uh, in uh, rolling out Alliance, and yeah, have that conversation and see how it fits in with with Secret. Yeah, solid question there, MB. And I think this will just be a last call out. Is any last individuals that have a you know a quick question that can be answered in a minute or less? If so, uh, I'd say now's the time to pop the hand up. And uh, as 
we're allowing that moment. I just want to say, yeah, definitely interested in continuing this conversation in future, Carter. And I know that you said Secret Austin's on the call and we've got a couple other secret fellas on the call too. I think I would love to, yeah, continue this conversation, maybe go deeper into the, the conversation around uh, like liquid staking derivatives and you know, I know that there's things going on with you guys in stride and so um, there's just there's lots of interesting discussions to be had uh, so let's let's keep that alive and yeah I think call to action it seems that no one's putting their hand up so call to action wise is there anything other than you know a, go to the shade protocol website next Wednesday for shade lend uh, which is shadeprotocol.io or app.shadeprotocol.io. Anything else? Yeah, I would I would say please, 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 if any of this was of interest, like join the join the community telegram, join the Discord. We're always love to engage with community members. Uh, all, we we love when ideas get challenged. We we love when when people care because it shows that there's 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 passion there. And uh, it's been cool to see the community throughout the entire bear continue to push the ideas behind the project. And now they get to emerge and kind of blossom in, in the larger public view. And separate from that, be sure to check out app.shapeprotocol.io, specifically the bridge page, um, which we're continually adding change, chains to that bridge interface. But it's a generalized IBC interface. So if you want to dip your toes in the shade protocol without swapping, liquidity providing, or any of that, uh, the bridge page is a complete public good. There's no additional fees tied to it. And it's a, it's essentially like you can bridge Atom um, on that page like to Osmosis from the Atom chain or from Judo to Osmosis or from Stride um, to Comdex. Like whatever IBC Relayer connections are there, that interface um, supports it. And I think that's just like a really good way of dipping your toes into seeing trade protocol and how we value the onboarding experience and we, we value supporting um, public goods. Yeah, I'll definitely be having a tinker myself with Shade over the next, well, week, days, weeks, months, hopefully years. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how the future unfolds for you guys. For anyone that is enjoying the conversation, uh, typically these are run on the Orbital Command account. We just had some technical issues at the very start of the call, hence Carter stepped up to the plate and offered to host. But uh, you can check out more of these conversations. I think we've got some stuff coming up with uh, Migaloo or Waiwail, Migaloo uh, very soon. Dexter Money is who else we're talking to. And there's another one that's on the tip of my tongue, but I can't remember. But yeah, jump onto the OC account and you can check out more of these types of spaces if you enjoyed this type of conversation. With that being said, I just want to say thank you for your time, your energy, your input, uh, the work you've done so far and your fight for privacy. I will be definitely uh, backing you guys in future. 100%. Thanks for, for hosting. Hope everyone has a lovely night. And yeah, if you ever want to go deep dive on liquid staking derivatives, please let me know. It's a huge piece of like, we we didn't even really get to dive into the capital efficiency and the importance of, of staking derivatives as well as the risks. Um, and I'll also say this too, like we're we're also going to be supporting uh, Quicksilver and Persistence 1 staking derivatives. So it's definitely shade is shaping up to be a hub for these derivatives because Ooh, the curve is amazing. so novel. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, as you know, yeah, we, we're connected with John Gold, so I can have a chat with him too. And we can uh, we can definitely get something happening over the coming weeks for sure. Awesome. We'll have a lovely night, guys. See you, legends. Like, I realized I was the host. I'm so used to just leaving, but <laughs> I have to end it myself. Oh, we got one last request. Uh...
No, never mind. All right. Bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Ether. That was Orbital Command and Shade Protocol discussing Shade Swap, Derivative Swap Magic. Recorded on Friday, April 14th, 2023. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Now, if you want to keep listening, head on over to TerraSpaces.org slash donate and show some support now. Put your hands up like you got a couple questions. Ain't no misdirection, just a bunch of flexing. I'll aggressive, insane from all directions. Smoke rolls in when I start a session. Plink canvas, blaze up the handlers. Rocking back and forth like I got the van stuck. Don't grind the clutch, mind your hush. Put your mask on and don't touch the antlers. Feeling untouchable when I'm on the verse. But in the universe, I'm just writing some words. Enticing these nerds while I'm laying out my memoirs. Like, remember when I had to fight the centaur? I'm a book nerd, let me take you on the journey Lost in the labyrinth, searching out the lost fern For certain got the taxes included Acting like a writer never felt secluded Just another fixed game of try my luck Oh, lighten up, dog. it could always be worse Unless you're in the back of a hearse Then you're dead, or putting in new speakers It's a toss-up, driver, or just tweakers Don't stress, yo, I've done the research Living life like a bunch of fucking lemurs It's a remake, off the cutting floor We take a little bit of poison and put it in the cheesecake Tastes great, less filling, less stress, more killing As he blew the cornerstone out the building And the blocks came tumbling down all humble Feels like we're drowning in a little puddle Rebuttal, I should be taking off in the shuttle Getting high in space with the Hubble Spaces.